Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast. I'm Tom Barbelay, and today a reading from Chapter 13, the final chapter of Field of Chaos, the Jungle Edition. Andrew awoke at 5.30am, the prearranged time, expecting to be woken, but upon finding no one was up, he moved his two bags from Forest Caravan to the main building. It was 5.45am, and Andrew was beginning to worry. Suddenly there was a movement in Manaka's caravan, it was Sterling, running from the caravan to Forrest's caravan. She arrived there, opening it, only to find Andrew was behind her. Oh, Monica's getting up. The alarm clock didn't work. This was heralded by Monica, fleeing the caravan to remove the evening's work in the subtropical backdrop. While this event occurred, Andrew wandered over to the main building, unloaded his two packs on, and started to trudge. Monica quickly caught up and apologised for his alarm clock. They came to a junction where the tracks verged above and below, the bulletin board system caravan. Here was a neat cabled fence that made it nearly impossible for Andrew to move under the fence with his pack. But after two minutes of struggling, Andrew finally got under. It was a limbo event. They trudged onto the large van and drove across the pass to Hughes's hovel. Hughes was still asleep. Monica ran inside, woke him, and then they connected to the trailer to the back of the van. They were picking up building supplies. All aboard, the van moved out of the block. The ride out was a welcoming revelation. It was just dawn. Andrew hadn't seen the trip in daylight. It was one of the most beautiful areas he had seen in the nation. Lush, subtropical mountains, working down to completely level green pastures, then went through a town that looked considerably larger in daylight. The roof of the van leaked water, which added a little to the trip, but after an hour and a half of driving, they arrived at the train station. They pulled as far away from the train station as they possibly could, and opened the van. Hughes turned and asked, Anyone for coffee? Thanks, came twice from the two different figures. They went to the market and purchased three coffee machine coffees. Then they moved back to the safety of the van, where Andrew's companions rolled sativa cigarettes. Andrew wandered over to the driver's side, where Hughes was sitting with the door open. Monica was in the passenger seat. Monica's been telling me your mother works for the TLA, Hughes laughed. The Kingston rumours to induce fear and secrecy had worked all too well. No, she just has security clearance. Oh, Hughes continued laughing. Perhaps we should have barred you from the area. Perhaps you should have, Andrew laughed. The capital's a pretty screwed place. I lived there for most of my life and spent the rest of my time getting out of it. I even spent some time in jail there, laughed Hughes. Andrew was shocked. He was a really nice fellow who had spent time in jail, but for what? Andrew's logic said it was probably a sativa-related offence. It induced a sense of sadness that these people who had created their own utopia that was tangential from the system's perceived utopia, and by creating this utopia they made themselves inherently weak to prosecution by the system. To them, enjoyment was to be with loving people around them, smoking sativa and spending time in forested areas. The system's utopia was to be as rich as possible, And it didn't really matter whether you were rich or whether you had love, because money could buy location, and it certainly could buy love. And who needed sativa when you had more system-correct drugs? So you'll be coming back after Christmas? Monica looked out from the other side of the van. Poor Monica, Andrew had become remarkably fond of the shaman Saibaguru. He was a very endearing person and had mannerisms that made him a very individual character. Yet he thought Andrew had become one of them a realisation that he had obviously formed in his mind after the weeks Andrew had spent with them and repairing computer parts. 
It was a compliment of the utmost respect, both in the fact that he was offering Andrew to be part of the intellectual cyber-hippie brotherhood. It was also a personal compliment on Andrew's role-playing ability, the fact that although Andrew was having a very twisted and sickening holiday, Monica thought that Andrew was enjoying himself. Alas, I have to return to school, but there are still holidays, Andrew smiled back. You know you can call the board, try logging on, mailing and playing around with it a little. What's your speed? 2400? It'll probably be 14k. Oh, 14k. Monica paused and then smiled. Well, we'll leave you here. Not a problem. See you around. And with this, Andrew had his last connection with the jungle, apart from the fact that he hadn't washed for full 16 days, and that he hadn't washed his hair in four days. Andrew looked like a jungle dweller. He had become one of them in physical appearance. The train arrived an hour late. Andrew left and headed for urban reality. He arrived in the metropolis with a slight cold and extremely malnourished. Andrew had lost a sixth of his body weight. Shelter came in the form of a family friend's house. The realisation was that in less than a month, Kingston would make his way to the capital with guns. Andrew feared that eternal fear that somewhere someone was touching someone they loved. Andrew wasn't. So concludes the reading of Field of Chaos, the jungle section. If you'd like this reading, there's an entire other section associated with Field of Chaos. And I've been relatively selective in picking these sections that I've read from Field of Chaos, the Jungle Edition. I haven't read the full text by any means. And really, I've left out a lot of the kind of deeper, more detailed sections of the book, choosing actually to read some of the more lighthearted, easygoing sections. Anyway, I'm Tom Barbelay in San Jose, signing out.